welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. And you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder of, of uh, and president of Less Government. We'll also visit with Dr. George Markovich, orthopedic surgeon who replaced both of my knees in 2006. I'm so grateful that he did. We'll check in with uh, Dr. Markovich as well as former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will join us as well. It is July the 1st. Can you believe it? Already July the 1st and all this day in 1997, Hong Kong reverted back to the Chinese rule in a ceremony attended by British Prime Minister Tony Blair, Prince Charles of Wales, Chinese President, and the U.S. Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. A few thousand Hong Kongers protested the turnover, which was otherwise celebratory and peaceful. In 1839, Britain invaded China to crush opposition to its interference in the country's economic, social, and political affairs. One of Britain's first acts of the war was to occupy Hong Kong, a sparsely inhabited island off the coast of southeast China. In 1841, China ceded the island to the British with the signing of the Convention of Quinpei. And in uh, 1842, the Treaty of Nanking was signed, formally ending the First Opium War. Britain's new colony flourished at an east-west trading center and then the commercial gateway and distribution center for southern China. In 1898, Britain was granted an additional 99 years of rule over Hong Kong under the Second Convention of Peking. In September 1984, after years of negotiations, the British and Chinese signed a formal agreement approving the 1997 turnover of the island in exchange for a Chinese pledge to preserve Hong Kong's capitalist system on... Uh, they break promises all the time. On July the 1st, 1997, Hong Kong was peaceably handed over to China in a ceremony attended by numerous Chinese, British, and international dignitaries. The chief executive under the new Hong Kong government formulate, uh, formulated a policy based on the concept of one country, two systems, thus preserving Hong Kong's role as a principal capitalist center in Asia. In 2019, mass, massive pro-democracy protests broke out in Hong Kong, over what may be perceived as a growing oppression from mainland China. There's no question about it. And uh, now, well, they basically have uh, removed all uh, any uh, symptoms or, or evidence of uh, democratic rule in Hong Kong. The Communist Chinese Party, by the way, who's, they're celebrating their 100th anniversary. Uh, it's really a, a transnational criminal organization is what the uh, Chinese Communist Party is. Healthcare experts around the world are warning that while cases of COVID-19 are declining, there's a surge of viral outbreaks from other, more common diseases. By avoiding contact with others last year, we failed to build up natural immunity and will pay the price. Experts are calling the phenomenon immunity debt. Doctors say the practices of ha washing hands and disinfecting proved to be valuable tools during the COVID-19 panic. Not only did these measures help reduce the risk of transmission, in kids and adults alike, but it also reduced the number of cases of other infectious childhood ailments, 
such as chickenpox, strep throats, and stomach viruses. But as American life returns to normal, doctors are now seeing an uptick in runny noses and flu-like symptoms caused by common viruses. Colds are making a comeback after a record low number of cases this past pandemic year. Just more evidence that masking up and some of these other things that we've done have, its well, it's immunity debt is what it amounts to. Uh, we weakened our immune systems. It's been a week since the 12-story condominium suddenly buckled over there in Surfside, prompting a massive search and rescue effort as families grew weary for information on those missing. More than 200 search and rescue specialists working in sweltering conditions have moved 3 million pounds of concrete on the sixth day of a frenzied and mass effort to find survivors or the dead amidst the ruins. On Wednesday, the death toll for the uh, South Tower collapsed, uh, rose to 18, and 147 still missing and unaccounted for. Those poor families. Devastating thing that's happened, and hopefully they'll get to the bottom of why this occurred. I did see a streaming video of water just pouring down into the garage. So who knows what uh, really created the, the problem. <clears throat> It'll be a long time before we find out, I'm sure. Well, Governor uh, Ron DeSantis on Florida here late uh, Tuesday signed into law legislation and intended to reform law enforcement and correction officers. It goes into effect July the 1st. Black lawmakers had worked with conservative Republicans in the House and to craft the bill, winning favor from law enforcement organizations, advocacy groups, and lawmakers in both parties. It passed unanimously in both the House and the Senate. The uh, legislation was spurred in part by you know, George Floyd's death and a number of other high-profile deaths in the people of color in the hands of police in recent years. A major focus is the use of force training and policies. The law now requires every law enforcement agency to have a use of force policy that includes certain provisions essentially creating a minimum statewide standard for how police use force. Well, that's a pretty good idea. Police, if they didn't have it before, police agencies must adopt guidelines for the proportional use of force and how to de-escalate situations without using force. They also are banned from using chokeholds and unless the officer perceives an immediate threat of serious bodily injury or death. Officers must be taught that they have a duty to intervene if excessive force is being used by another officer. So this is all good stuff. Moreover, the bill requires police to know the signs of mental illness and drug addiction and be taught how to respond appropriately when dealing with such individuals. Uh, the bill also seeks to weed out problem officers who are applying for other jobs, provides independent scrutiny of certain off use of force incidents, and provide enhanced reporting of these incidents. So congratulations. I think this is uh, a pretty good outcome. It's a vast understatement to say that President Joe Biden has provoked a national security disaster at the southern border, former President Donald Trump wrote uh, Wednesday in an opinion column. Biden has enacted the most radical open borders agenda imaginable, Trump said in the commentary. This is uh, perhaps the first time in world history a nation has purposely and systematically dismantled its own defenses to invite millions of foreign migrants to enter its territory and break the law. Trump slammed Biden for utterly depraved policies that include restoring catch and release, uh, tearing up uh, asylum agreements, tearing up asylum agreements with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, and announcing that anyone on the planet who lives in a crime-inflicted area now qualifies for asylum here in the United States. 
The former president also cited the Biden administration's new program by which the government will pay to fly illegal aliens, relatives from other countries, to join them in the U.S. None of those decisions rank as Biden's worst, however, according to Trump. Of all the vindictive, shocking, and self-defeating border security actions Joe Biden has taken, none surpasses his decision to stop the final completion of the wall. He said he began the, uh, of course, which uh, he was responsible for building. When I was president, I delivered on my promise to build a border wall to protect our country. All Biden has done, all he had to do was to just paint it, paint the wall. He said he needs painting. Trump also said illegal border crossings in May were nearly 700% higher than the same period in 2020. More unaccompanied minors have arrived in each of the past three months than in any prior month in recorded history. And uh, more ultra-lethal fentanyl has been intercepted than in all of 2020, said Trump, adding the seizures of the drug are up 265% from last year. This border, is, it's really a disaster. Of course, uh, Trump, with Governor Abbott, was down at the border uh, yesterday. It was a, kind of an interesting, it was good to watch. It was uh, great to see the interaction with the law enforcement officers as with, as with the governor and uh, the uh, former president of the United States. And uh, I'm just I'm grateful that he made the trip, and I think it uh, brings light to something that's really a problem here in the United States. And uh, quite frankly, uh, the, the uh, president of the United States now, Biden, is breaking the law. He's not enforcing the law. He's breaking the law. Uh, president Trump said the nation without borders is not a nation at all. He said in the final paragraph, for the sake of our country, Joe Biden must finish sealing the border immediately or the American people must elect a Congress that will. And, of course, Americans are losing faith in U.S. President Joe Biden, according to a new polling out this week, which shows a decline in approval rating even among Democrats. The poll found that less than half of Americans approve of Biden's handling of the economy. Among voting adults, only 35 percent of Americans believe the economy is moving in the right direction. Only 35 percent. And 44 percent said they are very concerned prices will continue to increase. A national opinion poll from Reuters well, uh, with survey results from January, June the uh, 11th to the 17th showed that while 55% of adults approve of Biden's work thus far, with the president getting special attention for his handling of the pandemic, a growing number of Democrats disagree with Biden's handling of the economy. Uh, the latest approval index for Rasmussen on June 25th shows Biden's overall approving rating is down 8%. For a disapproval rating of 47%, this includes 39% who strongly approve of the president's efforts since he took office in January. Boy, just don't know how people can approve of the things that are going on. But nevertheless, that's the survey result. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit Johnson's Air Conditioning. Dot com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lullaby's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and subscribe. Go to choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grass, uh, rapidly growing grassroots organization, it's a coalition of uh, like-minded folks across Florida, and we focus exclusively on K through 12 education reform. Although I hate that word reform because at the end of the day, you can't reform a government monopoly; you have to break it. And yeah. the way we do that is by through competition. So we work very hard on expanding school choice options for parents and kids, uh, for uh, encouraging parents to take responsibility and homeschool their kids, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just about, uh, you know, unleashing the learning potential of each and every child, and that's our objective. Doing a great job, too. I must say the organization is only eight or nine years old. Uh, I'm a founding member, proud to say, and uh, just achieved great things under your leadership, Keith. You and uh, Pastor Rick have done a great job. GoFLCA is the website. I hope you check it out. So uh, uh, Governor DeSantis vetoed an education bill this week. Uh, Actually, uh, he he did two really good things. Uh, He vetoed uh, Senate Bill 146, which is an action civics bill. The exciting thing about this, and there's actually several exciting things about his veto, this bill passed both houses by 100%. Wow. And uh, we uh, really got involved. 
uh, it, the bill changed fairly significantly in the Senate in, as it went through its final steps with some amendments that made it just, um, I call it the kissing cousin of, of, of uh, critical race theory. Ah. Because what it basically did was it required eighth graders up uh, to participate, uh, be required to participate in an active lobbyist uh, situation. So it, it, either at a state uh, agency or you know, a local government agencies. So to, to literally organize kids to go lobby. Um, if you look at where this has taken place in, in other parts of the country, um, uh, Stanley Kurtz has done an excellent job of laying out the where, where it's how it's being used and, and almost exclusively it's being used by the leftists of course. Uh, to, to uh, get kids to become you know, an antagonist to yeah. what's going on. So um, we found out and started taking it really seriously about two weeks ago. Um, and uh, we mounted a, a major effort. Uh, Stan McCurtz, we could have done it without it. He put out some really good articles. Um, but uh, we became, I think, Florida Citizens Alliance was right at the tip of the spear in terms of getting thousands of uh, parents and followers to uh, let the governor know that this was not a good idea. And uh, Heritage Foundation jumped in, Action, Heritage Action, I should say, and a number of other groups jumped in. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, we changed the governor's mind. And that's with a unanimous votes on the House and the Senate to approve this thing. So, you know what, uh, again, hats off to you and other organizations. Well, we're going to see a real ground, groundswell of uh, activism on the part of our citizens now. They're not putting up with school boards and critical race theory, these things. It's, it's great to see how citizens can make a difference and with your leadership, I must say. Well, we certainly work hard at it, Bob, and it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's rewarding, obviously, when uh, something like this uh, you know, becomes uh, is vetoed yeah. uh, with such a overwhelming... So I, I would suspect this morning I saw an article by uh, Democrat Diamond, who was the sponsor in the House for the bill, and he said, I'm, I'm shocked. How could the governor do this? <laughs> he thought he had a win. So Yeah. Uh, but uh, we really had another very powerful bill we've been working on for three years on Monday, uh, the Parents' Rights Bill. Aaron Grawl's bill uh, um, uh, was signed into law. And, and we, literally, we've been working on that with a number of other groups for three years. So uh, that's uh, very rewarding, too, to see now that the parents clearly have responsibility and, and government has severe limitations on what they can do um, to undermine parents. So two really good outcomes, opposite directions, but two great outcomes. Yeah, I mean, what what this addresses is the authority creep from government schools. It's uh, all of a sudden it, it almost begins to look like it's their kids, not the kids of the parents. So, what this bill of rights does is base. Hey, look, this is clearly the parents are in charge. Parents are the parents, and schools are uh, really beholden to the parents and uh, answer to the parents. And uh, it's it's a good it's a good thing, even though it's obvious, it's not obvious. And I'm so glad that that, that happened. Hey, before I let you go, I'd like to ask you about uh, this Bill of Rights activity that's going on in Collier County. Uh, first of all, I guess it's it's coming up for a vote set maybe next week or the week following? It's coming up for a vote on uh, July 13th. Um, here in F Florida, when you have, uh, when you have a uh, ordinance, 
um, it has to go through a dual process. The f first process, they have to vote uh, to advertise it, which they did uh, back, I think it was the 22nd of uh, June. And then the next board meeting uh, will be a vote for uh, whether to uh, pass this ordinance or not. It, uh, it's a Bill of Rights ordinance. It's, it's really, when you look at what's going on at the national level, uh, this bill, uh, it, it, this ordinance, if it gets passed and becomes officially an ordinance, will we'll do a couple major things. One, it'll put, uh, it'll put the, the district in a position to strongly use Tenth Amendment to, to, when, when the federal government overreaches, overreaches to, to not let the federal government use any resources here in Collier County. Uh, one of the obvious examples is the sheriff. You know, if, uh, if the feds come in to try to do something and we pass this, then uh, Sheriff Rambas stands down. He doesn't aid in a bet. Uh, so uh, that's, uh, that's one aspect of it. But it really, since it's a Bill of Rights, it really reinforces the, the, the opportunity for locally elected officials uh, to really implement the whole concept of federalism and, and, and use the Tenth Amendment uh, to say no. Now, we've got, we've got uh, three uh, commissioners uh, who uh, were concerned about. Um, they did vote three to two to put it on the agenda this final vote uh, my fear is they're going to try to make, uh, make some amendments that significantly water it down uh, Andy Solis even wants to turn it into a resolution which is uh, totally destructive to what we're trying to do here yeah um, the the uh, sheriff to his great credit is standing out really tall on this one uh, and he's even told them bluntly that uh, this is absolutely the right thing to do he's in full support and uh if it passes, he's taking it to the, uh, in, later in July, he's taking it to the Sh Sheriff's Association uh, for their consideration in other counties. The end objective here, frankly, is to get multiple counties to pass this and give the governor, uh, the, uh, you know, the cover or the support to declare Florida a sanctuary um, bill of rights. And when you think about what the implications of that are, if you look at what's going on in the Senate with uh, uh, you know, SB1, where they're trying to take California election law and make it federal. Uh, I mean, that's clearly unconstitutional. Yeah. So, uh, to, in, uh, in so my in my view, this is basically uh, giving the our elected officials uh, support in advance of what any kind of intrusion, federal intrusion on our on our rights. So, uh, I think it's a good thing gives gives the sheriff, you know, say, hey, look, this is what the people want. Uh, and they don't want uh, they don't want federal intrusion into our affairs. Keith Logg and the uh, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. The website is goflca.com. Goflca.com. Check it out. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. I hope many of your listeners show up on the 13th to give us some moral support. Thank you so much, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's provide, we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. George Markovich. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. So, Seton, tell us about Less Government. Um, I'll have to, because no one in D.C. will. Um, <laughs> we, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. Everywhere it rears its ugly head. Lessgovernment.org is the website. So, Seton, you wrote about the Supreme Court. You said the Supreme Court almost rules wisely. Almost. Tell us about it. Uh, okay. There's been, as we've continued to watch... Uh, Congress and and uh, Congress outsource its authority, its constitutional authority, to judges and the executive branch. We've seen in the executive branch a usurpation, not just of the of the legislative branch, but of the judicial branch too. Yeah. You have several agencies that uh, have created their own like court systems in the executive branch, which, of course, on its face is unconstitutional. Yes. Um, last year, the Supreme Court ruled that the entirety of the, of the Consumer Financial Protection Board is unconstitutional. Um, they then ruled that it could continue existing. <laughs> <laughs> so last week, the, they, they, the Supreme Court looked at the Patent Trial and Appeal Boards. Now, what this is, is a law called the America Invents Act that passed 
in 2011 or 2012, created these appeal boards in the Patent and Trademark Office. So now the very same entity to whom you have to apply to have them review and approve your patent can then turn around and go, oh, we were just kidding. We've now rescinded your patent. Yeah. And this is, and what it is, it's, it's, it's a court. It's a court to review. It's a, it's a patent and trademark office court to review whether the patent and trademark office should have given you a patent. Crazy. That's a court. There are judges. And this court is inherently unconstitutional. It's, it's, it was basically written to help big tech steal um, patents from, from, from people. Um, there's this one example. I can't remember the guy's name. But he, he worked at Apple for 10 years, then became a PTAB judge, had several cases before him from Apple, didn't recuse himself, ruled for Apple every time, and then quit being a PTAB judge and went back to work for Apple. Unbelievable. And so this whole thing is unconstitutional. It's the executive branch pretending to be the judiciary. So last week, the Supreme Court heard a ruling, or had a, heard a case, on the constitutionality of PTAB. And they ruled, yes, in fact, indeed, the PTAB courts are unconstitutional. Good. But we have a remedy. Now, first of all, stop right there. Whether, ruling whether or not it's constitutional is the entirety of the judiciary's job. Right. Remedying the situation is not the judiciary's job. Right. They rule it unconstitutional, that punts it back to Congress. Now, their ruling, or their remedy, alleged remedy is, a person further up the food chain in the Patent and Trademark Office will review the rulings. Well, that doesn't rectify the unconstitutionality. (laughs) That just adds a layer of unconstitutional bureaucracy to the process. Pretty amazing. So not only so here we have the judiciary pretending to be Congress, ruling correctly, and then pretending to be Congress and unconstitutionally remedying the unconstitutionality they said they identified. It's it's unbelievable. That is pretty unbelievable. Uh, Seton, I mean, uh, the PTAB board should have never exist. It seemed like a good idea because of, because of spe- I guess the idea was it was going to speed up uh, the and and, and you know and. and allegedly reduce the cost. Right. So what, so what Big Tech does is they, and they can do this, they've been doing it for 10 years now, they file 15 different, slightly, 15 different, slightly differently worded challenges to the same patent. So each one costs about $450,000. Now you're at $4.5 million and it isn't cheap anymore. Right. So... And and it, what that becomes a disincentive for people to invent, to to create, to do uh, to, to. Yeah, I mean, you're a guy who invents something in a garage, and then Google or Apple or Microsoft or or uh, you know one of these giant companies come in and file 55 PTAP challenges to your patent. Yeah, I understand. It's, it's a it's a terrible idea. You should not have the ent- the same entity that gives you the patent pulling your patent. That's exactly That's just, it. That inherently on its makes no sense to me whatsoever. Because what happens is, in the, in, the, in the world of invention, once you get a patent, 
Then the investors really start coming in. If you've ever watched Shark Tank, and, the, and somebody comes in with a product, one of the first questions they ask is, do you have any patents? Are they, you know, and, and what kind of patents are they? Yeah. That's the first thing they ask, because they don't want to invest in something that can be stolen. Yeah. But well, if you're not going to defend that the country is issuing, no one's going to invest in anything ever. All right. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. I'm looking at the column right now in front of me. You can visit as well. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seat, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. George Markovich. He is an orthopedic surgeon. He actually replaced both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm everlastingly grateful. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples. He's been in the news, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Dr. George Markovich. Dr. Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. He placed both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm very grateful. I like to say he's the best orthopedic surgeon in the universe. Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning to you. So uh, just talk about some of the things that are going on in the news. Uh, I, I was thinking about uh, this, what's, I forgot her first name, but Bobbitt, 
who was shot in the Capitol. Do you recall that? And they, oh yeah, and they and they have not announced who the uh, killer was, who perpetrated that crime, and it was really a murder, quite frankly, because she was right. doing nothing wrong. It turns out that, uh, and this is a story that I don't know if it's official yet or not, but apparently it was one of Mike Pence's Secret Service agents that that shot her. Have you heard that? So, you know, it, it's an amazing time, Bob. Um, what down is up, what's up to down, you know. This January 6th thing, uh, if you think this is a well-orchestrated coup, you haven't seen too many movies, you know, Air Force One, Die Hard. I mean, this was a setup, mm-hmm. okay, uh, taking advantage of, <clears throat> you know, people that should have known better but didn't, uh, were emotional, but this was not a well-orchestrated thing, and it didn't resemble anything but a coup. And what is the Capitol? What is the White House? What are our institutions? From the founding of this country, they are vehicles for the people and their elected representative to do the people's work. Right. So the whole thing is a setup. And now it's being investigated in order to make it something it isn't. You have members in Congress that weren't even there that are getting therapy because of the, you know, <laughs> trauma that they felt uh, as a result of this, uh, quote-unquote, insurrection. And then you have other people in Congress who served in the military, as have I, who <clears throat> volunteered after having severe injuries to go and again represent their country that, you know, weren't <laughs> somewhere else and accepted, you know, what it was, which was well-intentioned people trying to have their voices heard. And they shouldn't have broached the building, and they shouldn't have, you know, made trouble, but some of them did. Maybe some of them were let in to do that. People got hurt. People had heart attacks. People had issues. As in any crowd, in any day, in any place, subways and, you know, city streets and things like that. And so... You know, this whole thing needs to be better understood, but mm-hmm. that's the problem today. People are being fed information yep. that has a narrative, and it's hard to figure out through fear and confusion what's really going on. It's true. I mean, the, uh, this, this whole notion of these unindicted co-conspirators, uh, these people that are not giving any prison time, they're not put in jail, it turns out that the uh, that it, many of them are informants. They're working with the FBI. That could even be agents. Who knows? But uh, apparently, you know, they were part of the planning of this entire thing. So you have things going on in this country. If you want to really, you know, destroy something, you destroy it from within. Uh, that's what cancer does. In in a uh, in a healthy body. Uh, some cells will grow beyond what they're expected to do for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It works from within, and oftentimes it will overcome the host's ability to uh, survive. So you have uh, elements in this country that are trying to destroy it from within. And it's, it's a horrible thing to watch. <clears throat> if you're a student of history, uh, you can see the fingerprints uh, you know, from uh, without, if you will, from China, from other, you know, uh, places, especially China, that are fomenting 
the elements in this country that want to work against it. Yeah. And it's shameful. It's shameful. You know, democracy is the worst system except for all the other ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this is the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party, and it's it's not a government. It's a transnational criminal organization. And, the you know, the the people tolerate, apparently, this leadership. But uh, I, I watched uh, Tucker Carlson yesterday interviewing, and I forgot the woman's name, but she uh, left China, and she was a, a virologist in China. You've probably seen her. She's very difficult to understand. But uh, what an interesting interview, not only about what happened with the uh, virus and and the creation of the virus but also in terms of how they treat their people they you know individual pe- individuals mean nothing in china apparently to the communist chinese party that's exactly right and and you know it, it it's interesting we had a, an olympian uh, at the trials uh you know basically turn their back on the principles of this country while trying to get on a team that represents it you know, if that happened in China, um, that individual would basically be either in some type of concentration camp, as an example, yeah. or they'd be gone. And and you look at North Korea, which is a country that's it's a command and control type place, dictatorship, like China, um, like Russia, and uh, they weaken the people. They make them so that it's much less likely that they will... Uh, organize and rise up, and uh, that happened in World War II. Uh, you know, I remember seeing pictures of uh, concentration camp, uh, uh, you know, uh, prisoners uh, being guarded by four people with a machine gun, and there are a hundred thousand people that are naked and malnourished in a field. And you think to yourself, why don't these people? What do they? You know, why don't they just rise up? Well, they can't. Mm-hmm. They've been dehumanized. They've been convinced that there's nothing they can do about their situation. And so I think there's some enablers in this country that have attended these meetings. And, you know, I've been invited to many scientific meetings in uh, in China to go and, you know, chair committees and, you know, sit on panels and things like that. I've never been to China. I was in the Navy for 14 years. I saw... The, the the elements of what these invitations are. There's there's there avenues towards control, mm-hmm. and uh, you have researchers in this country, you have politicians in this country, you have people who are like the modern day Neville Chamberlains. They think that this command and control thing has some positive aspects to it, and they're willing to play ball because they see some advantage to it. The NBA, uh, corporations, uh, again, politicians. And it is a way to subvert freedom. Absolutely. And we are so fortunate uh, to have, well, we've been a country now since 1789, officially right. the United States. And, uh, you know, we've been able, we've certainly had our warts and pimples. We've had our difficulties along the w- uh, way. But, you know, we've <laughs> been able to preserve freedom and pretty well. Uh, it's a lot at risk right now, uh, Dr. Markovich. A lot right now that uh, is at risk in terms of our personal freedoms. Hopefully, we can rein it back in. I hope so. You know, it's like a pendulum, Bob. Uh, it, it goes, you know, back and forth. And you know, I am an optimistic person. I, I my world is to stamp out disease and to help people and to try to decrease or eliminate pain and help them, you know, enjoy productive lives, uh, either through the workforce or through retirement or, uh, 
you know, golf, tennis, whatever. And, and you know, it's a happy uh, existence. And I want to continue that. I see, uh, you know, things now, uh, <clears throat> it's amazing how quickly things can change yeah. in a year or two. But it's not a happy place, you know. It, it's, a, uh, it's a place that wants to control and to have people submit and to be fearful of things that they shouldn't be fearful of. I mean, why does uh, a young, healthy person have to wear a mask outside while they're walking through a park? It makes no sense. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that 2022 will be a very important year. Mm-hmm. I'm not a political person, yeah. but I feel the pendulum should swing from the current direction that uh, the people that seem to have the control are pushing. Yeah. You know, Mark Twain once uh, defined patriotism as supporting your country at all times and your government when it deserves it. Correct. That's <laughs> absolutely the fact. That, and this young lady who's, uh, uh, who's uh, demeaning the flag uh, on the podium when she was getting her bronze medal, uh, she shouldn't be on any Olympic team in the United States. and uh, She certainly shouldn't be sent to a concentration camp, but she should be a footnote in the, in the history of the Olympics. You know, Bob, there's ignorance, you know, and, and it, it, there's, there's no end point to people's complaints, you know. <clears throat> that, that's what's so interesting about some of these Marxist uh, groups that are, you know, mad about, you know, things that uh, they weren't even alive for when they were occurring. Right. And um, if there's an end point, you know, if <clears throat> you've got a problem, do this, let's fix it. Uh, but if you just think that, you know, things have to change to your whims, uh, because uh, it just has to, um, then, you know, you're ignorant. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, um, they have to be educated in terms of if you want to be on this team, you have to support the team. Yeah. Uh, if you don't feel that that team deserves support, then you should move or you should try to find out ways that you can contribute productively so that things feel better for you right these are pampered athletes right you know uh, you know the colin kaepernick uh is one of the luckiest guys in the world and and yet you know he has a problem with this country it, it just doesn't make sense no it doesn't i heard a uh a hockey coach professional hockey team and he told his players when they first got together to start the season look if anybody doesn't stand up and, and put your hand over your heart for the uh for the uh uh, uh, flag or for the uh, uh, Star Spangled Banner. Star Spangled Banner. Uh, you're not going to see the ice at all. You may as well just leave right now. <laughs> and that's Absolutely. How Absolutely. That's how he started the uh, the season. Dr. George Markovich, again, uh, greatest orthopedic surgeon in the world, as far as I'm concerned, did a great job for me. He'll do a great job for you. Uh, if you have any joint pain, call Dr. Markovich at 482-5399. 482-5399. Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. He's been in the news. We'll find out all about it. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, always my pleasure. Can you hear me well, uh, Bill? Yeah, okay. I can hear you very well. Excellent. Okay, so you've been you've been in the news lately, and uh, apparently, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement, Bob. <laughs> so uh, I guess the ethics committee uh, decided they just uh, it wasn't in their purview. Is kind of how it sounded. They're saying, well, you know, you have legitimate things going on here, but it's not not what we do. Right. Well, you know, we we. You know, I took my complaint, um, I, well, for anybody's listening, so they dismissed my complaint against uh, uh, Mayor Heitman. And, um, and so the reason they dismissed it were, were, there were they gave two reasons. One, um, part of it didn't, happen, didn't meet the legal requirements to file an ethics complaint, uh, which I'm a little unclear about, but that's okay. Um, we didn't know. And I took my report from Brian Dye, you know, our, our IT director's report, the big, the big report that right. had seven pages worth of allegations against the mayor, and uh, that went to the state ethics committee. So I only had two things in there, and one was kind of like the slander about, you know, what she allegedly said about Kevin Rambosk and myself, and um, so they, they, didn't, they said that um, they used a term in there about personal knowledge, like I wasn't there when she said it. And I guess it's important that some, you know, it was like, well, somebody said this and you weren't there, so you didn't know. So 
Um, huh. the, the, the main report from Brian Dye that went to the state, he was there. And uh, that, those allegations didn't come out of thin air. So I see Heitman um, responded to, uh, and said that it's slanderous. Um, she's talking about her reputation is, is slanderous. It's like I had to smile at that because, um, as I said to you before, those allegations didn't come out of thin air. I know. Unbelievable. Well, you know, it sounds to me like this probably could be best resolved in court. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll, it'll be best resolved when the State Ethics Commission um, um, hopefully decides that they're going to take Brian Dye's report. And I also know for a fact um, that there are other there there is at least one more and maybe two against her that went to the state of Florida and she knows about that um, because they have to let her know um, as soon as they get an ethics complaint up there in the state they they have to uh, let the person who the complaint is against know and uh, so she knows but I don't think she's going to be talking much about it yeah, is it influencing but, uh, her, her behavior at all? I mean, uh, this I, if, to me, it would be very upsetting to have something like the uh, ethics complaint filed against me. I just, has it influenced her attitude or how she's running, you know, been, <laughs> doing her job? No, no, nothing influences her attitude. It stays the same all the time. You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the staff is upset and it's always some controversy and, and something going on. So, uh, you know, that... I don't want to get too derogatory here, but as I say, no, it didn't affect her uh, attitude one bit. She's still the same person. Yeah, well, anyhow, the the beat goes on, and uh, it's just interesting to see you <laughs> yeah. in, in the news so much. So uh, hopefully this will all, justice will prevail. Yeah, well, Bob, I'll, I'll tell you one more thing. I'll tell you one that's coming up that hasn't hit yet. But it probably will in the next day or two, and we can talk about it next week, okay? But I can tell you right now that she um, had a confidential piece of information that she was not supposed to distribute uh, at all, and she did. She, she actually emailed it to, uh, to the, the, this, this other person who was mentioned in, in our ethics complaint, this Lori Raleigh. And um, so you will... Um, You'll hear about it next week, and we'll we'll talk about it because uh, it isn't out yet. Huh. So interesting. A lot of controversy going on. Boy, things were running smoothly when you were Mayor uh, Mayor Bill. <laughs> yeah, most of the time, anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, any good scoop? Anything going on in the in Naples? Um. Well, you know what, Bob? I I noticed it. It's really <clears throat> really kind of funny. We went to. We went to Baba last night. You ever eaten down there? Oh, Baba is great. I haven't been there in a long time, but the food is fantastic. So we figured, well, I mean, we had a reservation <clears throat> last night, but we figured, hey, it's a, you know, it's a Wednesday night. The season's over. Uh, they were packed. They had every table wow. was busy last night. And we're looking around like, are, really? Uh, so I still think there are people here. And uh, um, even though, you know, the traffic is good and there's, there's no backups, I still think there's some people still here because this time of the year, you know, you can pretty much go anywhere with, with, uh, without worrying about not being able to get in. Right. Other than maybe Blue, Blue Provence, which you love, and um, some of the other ones. But, I mean, uh, most part, you can just you can walk in, and that's what's the nice thing about off-season. That and also, you know, L Linda and I like to dine early. 
and uh, the consequence yeah, consequence of that is that even during season we can usually find a, ta- a table because of the time we eat but is it is right, a, which makes makes it nice it, yeah it does indeed again uh, Bill Barnett I just just genuinely appreciate uh, you coming on the show and sharing uh, your thoughts with us thank you so much for joining us here on the show well you're welcome Bob and I'll speak to you soon take care thank you so much. Well, uh, that's kind of a wrap here on today's show. I thought it was kind of interesting that former President Donald Trump uh, demanded that General Mark Milley, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, resign his post as the nation's highest-ranking military officer and accused him of being a person whose greatest fear is upsetting the woke mob. (laughs) General Milley ought to resign and he'd be replaced with someone who is actually willing to defend our military from the leftist radicals who hate our country and our flag, Trump said in his statement. His comments came after Miley. During a congressional testimony before the House Armed Services Committee defended lectures that had been taking place at West Point Military Academy that included courses on critical race theory. I couldn't believe what his comments said. He says he wanted to learn more about white rage. So he's having this stuff taught at the military academies. Can you believe that? It's just unbelievable. Trump said the problems with Melly come from several earlier incidents. When Black Lives Matter rioters were threatening to destroy Washington, D.C., he practically begged me not to send the military to stop the riots, Trump said in his statement. Billy later issued an embarrassing and groveling apology for walking at my side to St. John's Church, which far-left rioters almost burned to the ground the day before. Instead of denouncing the rioters, Trump said, Miley denounced himself a humiliation for our military. A year later, even the fake news had to admit that that Lafayette Square narrative was a giant lie. Billy once again looked like a fool. He should resign. Uh, <laughs> Tucker Carlson was uh, didn't mince words about Miley either, and uh, it, it, we should not be having critical race theory in our military. Critical, medical, the military is the last bastion of total freedom in terms of uh, being a place that doesn't doesn't at all harbor racism or doesn't harbor any. Everybody's the same. You'd have your rank, and that's it. That's what I've heard. I didn't serve in the military, but that's what I believe. And it's just a shame that uh, Milley is uh, leading our troops. The Joint Chiefs of Staff is leading uh, the military by introducing woke critical race theory. Unbelievable. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with uh, William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Michael Cannon. He's the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Jack Wirt is, uh, you may be seeing him in the news. Uh, he is retiring from his position as executive director of the Naples, Marco Island, Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. It'll be good to visit with Jack. And Dave Vigo, of course, the author of The Devil Art Our Doorstep, the story of dealing with the travails of union bosses over the course of two and a half years, them and their dirty tricks, trying to get him to unionize by secret ballot, not by using secret ballot, but by a neutrality agreement. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.